Quiz of Ice and Fire. Hello there, listeners. Thanks for tuning in today for another Quiz of Ice and Fire. I'm Lady Guinevere, and today we're bringing you our 18th quiz. This is our sixth, all about the characters of Song of Ice and Fire. And as always, we want to thank our generous patrons for their continued support, which has unlocked this bonus feature for everyone. And speaking of bonus features, I want to mention that all of our patrons have access to two patron-exclusive episodes, currently one all about the Arthurian influences in A Song of Ice and Fire, and one on the Varamir prologue. And in addition, patrons can now hear the audio of a panel I did at Ice and Fire Con back in April, all about storytelling and world building in Westeros. So head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Radio Westeros to find out how you can join us and gain access to those episodes, among other perks of being a supporter. And now I am very happy to introduce our guest host for this quiz. Today we have Joe Buckley from the Isle of Faces podcast, and I'm so happy to welcome you to Radio Westeros. Hi, Joe. Hi, Lady Gwyn. It's nice to be talking with you again after our little hiatus after the season. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to join such a list of exalted guest quizzes. Uh, Well, thank you. We're very happy to have you. And of course, we did... uh, Work together with uh, Aziz over at History Westeros covering right. the show. Um, that was quite a ride there. <laughs> yeah, the... that's one way to say it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but you do have your own podcast, uh, Isle true. of Faces. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Isle of Faces? Yeah, sure. Uh, everybody out there might know me better as Sir Buckley, like Lady Gwen says. I host the Other Faces podcast, which started out as uh, a little cast focused on interviewing the content creators and the, the big personalities from our fandom, how they came to the, the books themselves, what their stories are, how they came out of the podcast, whatever it might be. And now we've grown pretty fast, faster than I thought. We still have our special guest episodes, but now I'm doing weekly companion uh, podcasts for History of Westeros's Valoridas project there's other episodes covering season 8 in which my lovely wife joins me and we'll be doing some other ones together soon so it's quickly grown into a wide variety of topics and episode types which has been really fun uh, but those guest episodes are still our bread and butter our next guest is going to be Lauren she's better, better known as uh, Shakes of Thrones on Twitter so I'm very excited about that and so are lots of others and hopefully I can entice you guys from Radio Restos on soon as well yeah, we would love to join you. And uh, we uh, had Lauren uh, contribute a song to our last episode, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, so she's very talented. And um, you have another project as well. I do. Yeah, yeah. You do. Tell us about That's your book. Slightly larger project, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, back in May, I was able to share finally that for the past, I said two years, but it just shows how awful my maths is because it's been three years. Um, for the past three years, I've been writing a book on the great castles of Westeros, by which I mean the ruling castle of each realm, so Storm's End, Sunspear, etc., etc. And basically, it's just about digging up every fact I possibly can about each of these castles, their origin stories, their... Uh, the big battles, the how they're shaped by the geography and anything else I can think of. It has pretty much consumed my life now, I must admit. I've kind of turned into Beric Dondarrion. I don't really sleep or eat. I don't know my wife's name anymore, but 
I have fallen in love with writing it and I am kind of smitten with this book so hopefully it'll be done soon rather than later so I can share it with everyone I do have to say thank you uh, to yourselves included for all the support and interest I've received since announcing it because I certainly didn't expect that kind of reaction or interest yeah well we're all very excited for it because this is the kind of project that appeals to all of us fans and content creators, you know, this kind of deep dive into the details. Oh, yeah, it's pretty deep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's far, far too deep for me. <laughs> we'll pull you back out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need a big breath. Okay, so we're going to get on a little uh, life raft of, of, of silliness here and dive into our quiz. Um, this is... Uh, 15 questions about characters. Get your uh, pens and papers or however you keep track if you do that handy, listeners. Uh, Don't forget, uh, we do like to hear your results across social media or wherever you speak to us. So uh, keep track as you go along. Let us know. And as always, we're starting our first question with our guest. So over to you for question one, Joe. Yeah, honoured. I'd love to start. So uh, question one then. Which character, when it's put to him that Bran Stark's life is not worth living following his fall, disagrees, arguing, I beg to differ. Death is so terribly final, while life is so full of possibilities. Life is, yeah. Life is full of possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> Casting minds back straight away there. There you go. Question two. After a spectacular fall from grace, to which member of the faith does Queen Marjorie confess that she'd like to scratch her eyes out? Short and simple, that one. Yeah, short and simple. Okay, so question three then, a bit of a longer one. Which character is asked by Jamie if he believes in ghosts, to which they answer in the affirmative, telling a short story about a woman leaving her scent in the room after she's gone. He goes on to conclude that if we leave something behind us in life, like scent, then surely it's similar when we die. Hmm, maybe a bit more obscure. Yeah, definitely. Also uh, kind of interesting. Yeah. Question four is uh, brings us across the narrow sea to Bravos. What name does Arya give to the character found at the House of Black and White, who appears to be a pale young girl with a gaunt face? Although she looks young, she is in fact thirty-six years old, and her real name is a mystery. Always a little bit dodgy thinking about people that Arya meets, <laughs> and seeing as not many of them end up in a, in a nice place, <laughs> right? Uh, so question five, which character whose father is Hotbean is full of grief following the death of her brother and attacks Tyrion with a knife only to be restrained by Sir Jorah Mormont? Her, li- her large eyes are said to be trusting. Hmm. So maybe Hotbean will uh, jog some memories. It's quite a unique name. It's probably only one Hotbean. Yeah, you're not going to get too many. <laughs> question six now, back over to Westeros, but now we're... Uh, into the wildling territory which wildling known to be a friend of the night's watch was the primary mentor to varamir six skins being the one who taught him about the moral boundaries of skin changing which he called abominations and if you're a patron and you listened to our episode all about varamir you should know this one (laughs) (laughs) homework Uh, we'll jump in right back to Essos, uh, going zigging and zagging. 
Question seven. Uh, when Daenerys forms her co, to which uh, initially reluctant character does she offer her wedding gift of the Dragonbone bow? She perhaps chose this gift in particular because he had previously halted Kaholo's attempt to slit her throat by killing him with an arrow. So you got to mm. dive back into all those mm. Dothraki names and pick one out. Yeah, just pick one because yeah. I, I always fear best with the Dothraki questions if I just make a stab at it. Yeah, throw a dart. Guess one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Question eight. Uh, which member of the Westerosi Small Council is known for his sickliness? As Master of Coin, the Iron Bank Envoy Noho Dimitis hounds this man so persistently that he retires to his bed coughing up blood all the way. Oh dear. Ick. <laughs> Ick. Yeah, quite. Question nine, we're doing a lot of uh, outer territories here. Which Lord of the Lonely Light put his name forth for the Ironborn Kingsmoot? He is championed by his three sons and claims that he will lead the Ironborn west beyond the Sunset Sea to a magical land where death does, n- where death does not exist and every man and his wife will be a king and queen. A bit of a lighter question there, not not quite as bad as the one before. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Yeah. Happy promises. Happy promises for once. <laughs> question 10. We're here zooming all the way down to Dorne. Which Dornish lord previously counted Quentin Martell as his ward? He holds the titles the Blood Royal and Warden of the Stoneway. He has a son, Cletus, and two daughters, Enos and Gwyneth. Enos, I'm glad you had to pronounce that one, not me. I would have got that wrong. <laughs> I'm only assuming that it's similar to, <laughs> I think you're right. to Welsh. You I know, think you're right. Must be the Welsh influence yeah. of Dorn that George has talked about. Hmm. Uh, so, question 11 then. Which character, nicknamed Homeless, is a general of a sellsword company who complains often of blisters on his feet from long marches and is not the bravest of men? He is also very fond of elephants. Of all the nicknames, I think Homeless probably has to rank somewhere near the bottom in the Westeros nicknames. Yeah, exactly. Not, not very... Not top uh, match. Not, no, exactly. But elephants. Okay, guys. Surely, <laughs> surely that is a huge clue. Uh, num- question number 12. Which Night's Watchman is injured in the battle against the Weeper's Men at the Bridge of Skulls? This is something that happens off page, as a hint. Uh, this fact must have added to his dismay when Jon Snow decided to let the Wildlings through the wall en masse. Tough one. What is it? <laughs> uh, question 13. Young Robert Aaron's favourite stories are of a particular Vale legend. The legend, over the years, has become conflated with artist Aaron, who is Sweet Robin's idol. I have to admit, I do enjoy these uh, these legends of old, and especially this one. So, Yeah, this is a good one, and it's also very interesting the way that legend, which is quite ancient, probably from the first men, uh, from the Age of Heroes, is conflated in history with one of the Andal invaders. So I find find that sort of stuff pretty fascinating. So. Yeah. Uh, okay, question 14. Which member of the Stark household guard at Winterfell is named the new captain of the guard by Rob Stark, who's acting while his mother is incapacitated after the attempt on Bran's life? Got a lot. We've got a lot of uh, central characters and a lot of not-so-central characters in this one, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. We keep going central right out 
quite out far. Uh, we'll go right back up to the wall for our final question then, uh, for question 15. Which Night's Watchman, known for his three fingers, is the main cook at Castle Black? He is among the candidates to be the new Lord Commander, and he keeps getting five votes, to which Clydus quips are the, the votes of those who want him out of the kitchen. So a, a rare, rare Clydus humour there to jog your memory. Might be the only Clydus yeah, joke. Yeah, <laughs> I think it probably is, yeah. <laughs> no. That famous Clydus joke. <laughs> uh, and there's a huge clue to this man's name, of course, of in course. the question there. So... <laughs> We will leave that there, and uh, we'll be back after this break with our answers. Hey, sleepyhead. Why so sleepy? Oh, it's because your mattress is a bag of potatoes and scrap metal. You should try a Nectar mattress. With award-winning layers of comfort, you can sleep easy knowing you got incredible value. Mattresses start at just $499, and you get hundreds of dollars in accessories thrown in, as well as a 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. Okay, and we're back with our answers. So we're going to go through, restate the questions, and give you the answers. So over to you, Joe, again, starting with question one. Sure. So, yeah, back to the beginning then. So just as a reminder, the question was, uh, which character, when it's put to him that Bran Stark's life is not worth living, disagrees, and he says, uh, I beg to differ, etc., etc. And the answer is, of course, Tyrion Lannister. Um so that would be right back at the beginning. I guess you have to cast your mind right back. And this in a conversation with Jamie, we have a, a little quote in the, the lead up. And it's, uh, so Jamie says, uh, he could end this torment. I would, if it were my son, it would be a mercy. And Tyrion replies, I advise against putting that suggestion to Lord Edda, sweet brother. He would not take it kindly. Even if the boy does live, he will be a cripple. Worse than a cripple, a grotesque. Give me a good clean death. Tyrion replies, speaking for the grotesques, I beg to differ. Death is so terribly final while life is full of possibilities. It's just on that really cool uh, kind of singular family scene we get of the Lannisters having brunch and then never never again. Yeah, it is. And then, of course, that uh, sort of that theme comes back in Jamie's arc when um, not very long afterwards he finds himself a cripple. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and he has to struggle with whether he really just wants to die or live. So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that is, uh, that's it. So Tyrion was the answer there. And I tell you, um, wonder if you, you know, if that was obvious or not. Because with these main characters, sometimes it's not easy to find questions that <laughs> are, are even a little bit challenging. Yeah. So, okay, moving on to a more... Um, Maybe a more challenging character. This one had to do with uh, Marjorie Tyrell, who uh, has fallen from grace and is being forced to make her confessions to this particular member of the faith. And she confesses that she'd like to scratch this woman's eyes out. And the answer is Septa Unella. And you get this uh, Marjorie telling Cersei, who comes to visit her in Feast for Crows while she's being 
held in prison. Until you came, I was allowed no visitors but septas. One comes every hour to ask if I wish to confess my fornications. They will not even let me sleep. They wake me to demand confessions. Last night, I confessed to Septa Yonella that I wished to scratch her eyes out. And Cersei, of course, thinks that it's a shame she didn't do it. Not uh, for Yonella's part, but more because it would make Marjorie uh, more seem more guilty in the eyes of the High Sparrow. <laughs> but, uh, yep, Cersei. but, you know, of course, Cersei will grow to uh, probably wish that uh, Marjorie had done that and worse to Yonella for her own part, so. <laughs> yeah, that's a that was a tough one. I think maybe maybe I would have said Unella only from remembering her name from the show. I don't I doubt I could have remembered it from yeah, the books yeah, alone. Exactly. There's more of a more of a cadre of them named in the in the books. Yeah, yeah. there's a few more. Okay. Okay, so uh question three, which was the uh the question a character asking Jamie if he believes in ghosts and the uh what we leave behind. And the answer is, of course, Kyburn. I mean, giving a little bit into the uh, higher questions, I guess. Um, and he tell he goes on to tell Jamie this little story. And he says, once at the Citadel, I came into an empty room and saw an empty chair. Yeah, I knew a woman had been there only a moment before. The cushion was dented where she'd sat. The cloth was still warm and her scent lingered in the air. If we leave our smells behind us when we leave a room, surely something of our souls will remain when we leave this life. The Archmaces did not like my thinking, low. Well, Marwyn did, but he was the only one. So that's right back at the beginning when we were first introduced to Kyburn after Jamie's lost his hand. And uh, I guess we don't know yet that how creepy he's going to turn out to be, but this is a, a little hint towards that, that path, I suppose. Yeah, it's not the first mention of Marwyn, but it is one of the early mentions of him. And it's obviously well before we know who he is or, um, you know, what his position or role is going to be. And that's, you know, typical George to kind of sprinkle these little offhand references throughout people's uh, point of views. And then uh, ultimately, of course, we'll see that Marwyn is probably going to play a much bigger role in things going forward so we do look forward to that particular storyline now on to question four this had to do with a character that Arya met at the house of black and white who appears to be a pale young girl but she's actually a 36 year old woman we don't know her real name and of course Arya calls her the waif and here we go with a quote from Feast for Crows. The kindly man never told her his name. Neither did the waif, the little girl with the big eyes and hollow face, who reminded her of another little girl named Weasel. Like Arya, the waif lived below the temple with three acolytes, two serving men, and a cook called Uma. That's one of those creepier, uh, not really figured out type things, isn't it? The waif and mm-hmm. all, all of that. And especially the uh, weasel mention, that just makes it even darker to me, remembering weasel and what happened yes. there. Yeah, yeah. so we know that we get a sense that there's maybe some sort of real tragic backstory to this mm. girl. Is there probably is? So, so often is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay, back over to... Uh, oh, we're sticking on Essos, actually, with question five, uh, which was, of course, about Hopbean. Um Someone's father was named Hotbean, 
and in their grief they attacked Tyrion only to be restrained by Sajora. And of course, the girl with large eyes that are said to be trusting is Penny. And uh, we get a quote here from, from obviously Tyrion's POV thinking about this. She looks so young, he thought. A girl, that's all she is. A girl and almost pretty if you, if you can forget that she's a dwarf. Her hair was a warm brown, thick and curly, and her eyes were large and trusting, too trusting. Which just makes me sad having to think about Penny and her storyline. Real, real downer here in the middle of the quiz. Yeah, uh, it is. Poor Penny. Uh, of course, we later find out that Penny was uh, one of those uh, dwarfs that had been hired by uh, Peter Baelish to uh, provide some entertainment at the Purple Wedding entertainment that was specifically meant to provoke Tyrion and uh, then her brother does get killed when Cersei casts her kind of worldwide dragnet for dwarf heads Uh, so Penny and Tyrion's arcs just are you know intertwined really throughout the whole thing so we're gonna eagerly wait to see what happens with Penny now that she's really been dragged into a war zone yeah really in in the Um, thick of it probably going to get worse before it gets better for penny probably yeah i would anticipate that too so okay that was our downer yeah (laughs) now i don't know what we call this next one which is uh about the wildling uh skin changer who was a friend to the night's watch and theramir sixkin's primary mentor uh, he's the one that taught him all about the moral boundaries of skin changing, which, you know, are there for a reason. Varamir's mm-hmm. uh, mentor was Hagon. And in the Varamir prologue, we learn that Hagon um, had been given a particularly horrific and abominable end by his protege, Varamir. It says, abomination. That had always been Hagon's favorite word. Abomination, abomination, abomination. To eat of human meat was abomination. To to mate as wolf with wolf was abomination. And to seize the body of another man was the worst abomination of all. Hagon was weak, afraid of his own power. He died weeping and alone when I ripped his second life from him. Varamir had devoured his heart himself. He taught me much and more, and the last thing I learned from him was the taste of human flesh. Mm, well, all the um, all the POVs have their, oh, the uh, prologue POVs have their certain different kinds of darkness. But I think this might be the the worst one, the last one we get, especially when you consider how it links with Bran still and what he's up to yeah. with Hodor. Yeah, exactly. Mixed. So I guess we're still on a downer in the middle. <laughs> we didn't really rise too much higher there. Well, no, no. Maybe we will in the next one. Yeah, the next one will be better. <laughs> the next one's all about gifts and uh, people being friends. So it's much better than, <laughs> than uh, skin Eating changing. human flesh. <laughs> yeah. Um, question seven. Back to Daenerys over in Essos. Uh, she's giving away her wedding gift of the dragon, sto- of dragon bone. Not dragon stone. Dragon bone bow. But who did she give it to? And it was, of course, Ago, who had saved her life previously by killing Kaholo for her. And she says to you, I give this the Dragonbone bow that was my bride gift. It was a double curved, shiny, black and exquisite, taller than she was. 
And she goes on, I name you Co, and ask your oath that you would live and die as blood of my blood, riding at my side to keep me safe from harm. Much better. Yeah, yeah much better, much better. And Danny forming her Co, of course, is a, you know, it's a masterful stroke by her to kind of bind these uh, Dothraki to her. Uh, otherwise, who knows, you know, some of them may have ultimately turned on her, but... Uh, yeah. I suppose seeing dragons born from that funeral pyre uh, was... Certainly helps, yeah. Pretty helpful. Yeah. But, yeah, I suppose that's like one of her first um, like actions as queen straight in her own right after Drogo's gone. So, yeah, I guess that's her learning or putting into practice the lessons she'd learned along the Dothraki Sea, etc. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so that uh, we're going back to Westeros now, to Small Council, um, man known for his sickliness and coughing. Uh, hope this one was sort of a softball, <laughs> even though this particular character isn't really major. Um, it's pretty much what he's known for is mm. coughing. So Come Giles on. Rosby is the answer. Um, Cersei tells Felice uh, that Lord Giles has been threatening to die for as long as I've known him, but he's still with us and will be for many years, I do hope. No doubt he'll cough the whole lot of us into our graves. And, of course, that's wishful thinking by Cersei because uh, she views Giles as, indeed, he seems to be a very weak person who she could manipulate. So it's useful to have someone like that on her small council. Uh, at least for someone like Cersei, it yeah, is. classic Cersei <laughs> thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. get the weakest people around me; that'll help. Yes, exactly. All right, right back to the outer edges again. So, question nine was about the king's moot and which lord of the lonely light put his name forth um, with his three sons and his claim to sail west. And that was, of course, uh, do we say Gilbert or Gilbert? Do you think? We'll say I think it's Gil. Gilbert, Gilbert, yeah. oh, Gilbert Farwind uh, is the answer uh, from the, obviously the people of the Lonely Light and from Aaron's POV he thinks on this, Aaron knew some of the Farwinds, a queer folk who held lands on the westernmost shores of Great Wick and the scattered isles beyond, rocks so small that most could support but a single household of those, the Lonely Light was the most distant. Eight days sail to the northwest among rookeries of seals and sea lions and the boundless grey oceans. The far winds there were even queerer than the rest. Some said they were skin changers, unholy creatures who could take on the forms of sea lions, walruses, and even spotted whales, the wolves of the wild sea. So that's pretty cool. Right? So I like the far winds and the idea of the Lonely Light and all the way, especially when you look out the map and you see how far away they really are from everything else. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously we're not on video here, but uh, I can, I have a map of Westeros behind me and you can see it. You probably can see me turning around because I'm can, yeah. trying to figure out. I'm doing out, the same thing to mine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to figure out. It's so far from the Iron Islands. Okay, I should stop turning my head <laughs> from my microphone. Uh, it's so far from the Iron Islands that it's not even on the map Yeah. Um, that I have. You know, it's it's just off the left edge of that map that I have. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty fascinating place. And, of course, um, you know, we get a lot of theories about what lies beyond the Sunset Sea. Uh, is it something new or is Westeros actually a globe? 
Um, I guess we'll see. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Or we can all just discuss it and debate yeah, it. Yeah, we'll make up for it. Yeah. Okay, so now uh, question 10, back down to Dorn. More the name of the Dornish Lord who once had Quentin Martell as his ward. Uh, he's called the Blood Royal, Warden of the Stoneway. Uh, and we're talking about Anders Ironwood. And Ariane says to Aris Okar in uh, Feast for Crows, Anders Ironwood is Christian Cole reborn. He whispers in my brother's ear that he should rule after my father, that it's not right for men to kneel to women, and that Ariane especially is unfit to rule, being the willful wanton that she is. So there's a bit of tension there. Uh, it turns out to be kind of largely, um, you know, her her uh, anger over the Ironwoods and, of course, her brother Quentin turns out to be somewhat baseless. It's just a result of her not knowing her father's intricate secret plans, right? Yeah. Uh, that Kristen Cole reference is, uh, I guess, that's one of those ones that just gets a bit better right now. We've got uh, Fire and Blood as well. Mm. You can just refer to that a bit quicker and th- mm-hmm. see what she means because, yeah, she's pretty dead on, actually. Yeah, interesting. So, you know, we see how that that plays out. I'm sure that particular reference was not laid there by accident. No, of course. (laughs) Nothing is. No accidents for George. So, Um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of connected to Dawn is a little hint then. There's question 11, which was about Homeless. The general of a sellsword company complains of blisters and likes elephants. Uh, this might have been another softball, I think. Of course, it's Harry Strickland, the general of the Golden Company. Um, not Cersei, who's also fond of elephants, according to the show. <laughs> so, um, and John Connington, of course, thinks of um, of Harry Strickland in, in Dance. He says that Harry Strickland had always been a, a genial man, better at hammering out contracts than at hammering on foes. He had a nose for gold, but whether he had the belly for battle was another question. Yeah, interesting. Um, Harry is painted as, you know, more of an administrator than a great Mm. warrior, which is a, you know, kind of drastic, you know, about face, I guess, if you will, for the Golden Company, of course, founded by Bittersteel, who was a great warrior, may also have been an administrator of some talent. We don't really know that. But uh, anyways, Harry's elephants uh (laughs) spoiler alert do indeed end up making the trip so uh good job if you were disappointed in the lack of elephants uh on game of thrones (laughs) then make no mistake we'll get elephants in the winds of winter yeah so uh question 12 now was back in the night's watch or did we already yeah (laughs) okay question 12 was uh back in the far north had to do with the night's watchman who was injured in a battle against the weeper's men at the bridge of skulls and this is like i said off page so you might have had to really rack your brain to figure out who this person was uh he sustained a head injury during that battle and the answer is bowen marsh there you go I definitely wouldn't have. There's a lot of people to choose from if you ask who's dismayed at John. And I guess Burmarsh is head of that uh, party, but I, I certainly forgot that he'd taken an injury. I wouldn't have remembered that without uh, double checking. 
Yeah. So you got to figure, you know, one thing that we've suggested is that he's suffering from some sort of, you know, PTSD because he's had to recover from this severe injury. He had this sort of horrific battle and, you know, what were they doing? They were defending the wall against the crossing of the wildlings, uh, lost so many of the Night's Watch in that effort. And now John is going to let them just come through. So here's what he has to say when John makes that decision in A Dance with Dragons. The Lord Commander must pardon my bluntness, but I have no softer way to say this. What you propose is nothing less than treason. For 8,000 years, the men of the Night's Watch have stood upon the wall and fought these wildlings. Now you mean to let them pass, to shelter them in our castles, to feed them and clothe them, and teach them how to fight. Lord Snow, must I remind you, you swore an oath. And what's very interesting to me is that this comment by Bowen is kind of emblematic of the fact that the Night's Watch have actually forgotten what their oath means, because their oath isn't really to protect Westeros from wildlings. <laughs> it's to protect Westeros from yet another threat from the North, which uh, John is keenly aware of, uh, but is having a difficult time convincing his fellows of the seriousness of it, so... Yeah, it's a great, um, all of this is just a great example of how George puts kind of different uh, points of view, not in the literal sense of chapters, but, of, you know, the reasons why they disagree. So you, know, you can't really say Bowen Marsh is wrong. Like you say, mm-hmm. if he's suffered at this battle, he's not wrong just because he's in the adversarial to our POV that we're reading through. So, yeah, this is really good to see all those complex points of view merge at the wall and this big decision that one person's got to make poor john absolutely yeah poor john poor john uh back to uh the fun legends then question 13 was about young robert aaron's favorite stories and the legend that had been kind of mixed with artist aaron and the question was who is sweet robin's idol and that was of course the winged knight so which is one of the the cooler uh, legends i think and sansa gives us a little bit in uh, feast she says there are a hundred tales of his adventures little robert knew them all so well he could have recited them from memory but he liked to have them read to him all the same sweetling we have to go she told the boy but i promise i'll read you two tales of the winged knight when we when we reach the gates of the moon so lucky robert there getting two two yeah. for one yeah sansa is, is interesting as they're trying to you know get Robert out of the Erie here to, you know, when they're evacuating, he's being typically kind of uh, combative about it all. But Sansa really shows here and in, you know, a lot of other ways in her Feast for Crows chapters, how she's really learning how to manipulate people, you know, to, to get things, you know, the way she wants them. So uh, she's got this little fun negotiation going on with little sweet robin i think it's a nice little mirror as well like her saying that robert can recite them all and it's similar to sansa right back at the tourney in game of thrones she can recite all the tales and the deeds of all the knights and in the same way that bran also can from his stories of old nan so it's a nice little yeah uh, comparison there yeah i think it, 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 in a sense it reminds us that yeah they're all just kids too yeah you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> But life is not a song, yeah. little sweetling. And <laughs> she actually uses that word in that. Yeah. Word, so, okay. 
let's move on to back to Winterfell. Uh, Rob has to name a new captain of the guard after uh, his father goes down south and takes Jory Cassell, who was the captain of the guard, with him. So he names Hal Mullen as uh, captain of the household guard. One of those difficult uh, H names. There's a lot of them at Winterfell. You've got to try to remember. There's Hal and Harwin and Hullen, and you got to remember which one's which. Yes, exactly. Hodor. And, uh, Hodor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of people, you know, have theories about Hal or um, and Harwin as well. So yeah, I think those two in particular. Uh, a lot of people kind of conflate them. Um, Hal Mullen is, of course, named as Catelyn's uh, personal guard in the um, Battle of Whispering Wood. Uh, he asked for the honor of protecting her, and Rob did allow that he would be Cat's kind of sore and sword at that point. So um, he does remain in that capacity when she later travels south to treat with Renly and Stannis. Uh, I like Hal Mullen. He's got this reputation for always stating the obvious. Yeah, it's quite funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just a little comic relief in some pretty serious situations. Yeah. Uh, so now on to the final question, Joe. Yeah, one step further north up to the uh, up to the wall, and this is about which night night's watchman with his three fingers which is as you mentioned is a kind of bit of a clue uh, is the main cook at castle black and who keeps not getting to be lord commander and the answer of course is three-fingered hob our favorite cook probably of all the cooks and um we even have the results of his latest attempt to be a new lord commander and it was uh, 203 votes for Sir Dennis Malister, Sam said, 169 for Cotter Pike, 137 for Lord Janus Slint, 72 for Offal Yarwick, 5 for Freefinger Hob, and 2 for Dolores Ed. So he's not last. He's still not last. He's above Ed. Yes. Uh, kind of... Uh... Kind of funny that Dolores Ed gets those two votes. Yeah, I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, of course, that's not the final voting. We we all know mm-hmm. it's not how it goes in the end. But uh, Hob getting those votes, um, got to wonder who they were. The- Clytus was right as well. <laughs> Still, it's five. I'm with Clytus. So, <laughs> although sometimes his uh, descriptions of his food, actually pulling that quote, I had read some other descriptions of things he made, and uh, you know, his cooking sounds pretty decent. So. Yeah, be quite <laughs> in, a, in a hearty way, working with uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, he's not got a lot to work with. Exactly. To be fair. Yeah. yeah. All right, so that was our fifteenth answer, and. Uh, we want to know how you all did. Uh, shoot us your results on uh, social media. Yes, you connect with us on Twitter or Facebook or uh, on Patreon or YouTube. However you find us. Send us an email. We want to know how you did. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank this you for was, me. Yeah, this was fun. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about where everyone can find you and your project? Yeah, sure. You can normally find me hanging around on Twitter. Uh, Sir Buckley is my username. That's the Westerosi spelling, S-E-R. 
Uh, the Isle of Faces you can find in all the normal places, which I didn't mean to rhyme, it just happened that way. Uh, it's on YouTube and Podbean and anywhere else you normally look. And uh, hopefully that book will be there joining them soon. So, yeah, thanks for having me. It's a great way to spend an afternoon. I hope you guys keep going with these quiz podcasts. I love a good quiz, bit of trivia. I never get off a Song of Ice and Fire Sporkle, so it's always looking forward to these episodes. Yeah, I have to say that we were kind of Sporkle addicts at, at one point, oh, yeah. too. So. Yeah. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, thank you again for joining us thank you listeners for being here we will continue doing quizzes because we love uh to do this as well and we will be back soon with a new episode of radio westeros keep your eyes out for that as always thanks for listening and see you next time looking for a new podcast to listen to here's what we love courtesy of acast recommends I'm Teresa Caputo, and I am dying to tell you about my new podcast, Hey Spirit. Most of you might know me as the Long Island Medium. Why do people even call me that? Well, I talk to the dead. Is his birthday coming up? Actually, his 60th birthday is today. (gasps) Oh my God, you just gave me the chills. Throughout my entire life, I always just thought everyone felt and saw the same things that I was sensing and feeling. Through this podcast, I'm going to connect guests with the souls of their departed loved ones and give them the peace that they've been searching for. I feel like I've been able to smile, like really smile again for the first time. I am so super excited for you guys to hear and be a part of Hey Spirit. Please subscribe wherever you listen. Acast, 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 Acast recommends. recommends.